0: Where's your man? Who are you discipling? Where's your man? Who is walking with Jesus and knowing him as a result of your life and influence? And if you don't have one, ask God to give you one.
1: What does it take to be a disciple maker of Jesus? Do you need to have all the answers before starting to invest in the lives of your friends or family? Do you have to have a degree in theology? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. Thank you so much for joining us again today. This is the sixth podcast featuring Mr. John Anderson, Campus Ministry Director for the Navigators at Wichita State University. In this podcast, John references a handout, and we've included that as a free download in the show notes. You know, sometimes we think we need to be at a certain place in our own spiritual growth before we can help others grow or reach out. However, as John reminds us, it is the Holy Spirit who is working. We simply need to place ourselves in His hands and be willing to be used by Him in the lives of others.
0: So we need to be with Him. To make disciples and shepherd your disciples, the most important thing is not for you to have all the answers. Because you won't. The most important thing is not for you to have tons of disciple making training and tools and wizardry up your sleeve. The most important thing is to simply walk with Jesus and invite them alongside. This could be as simple as, "Hey, let's eat meals together." Do chores around the house together. Read the Bible together. Go share the gospel together. Have fun together. Try not to do things alone. Making disciples doesn't need to be adding doesn't need to mean adding something extra to your schedule just means adding some, adding someone extra to the things that you're already doing and bringing someone else in to the things you're already doing. I love doing meals with people because I got to eat and they got to eat. So we might as well eat together and talk about Jesus. I love reading the Bible with people because I want to read the Bible and they should read the Bible. So we might as well do it together. I have guys come over and help me lay sod in my yard. Uh, Two of these men here help me lay sod in my backyard. Uh, And I'd hate to do it alone, and it's a great opportunity for spiritual growth and for growing together. So the first practical step is just be with them. But not only that, it's good to have an an intentional plan for your time together as you get together. This is an acronym on your sheet that I borrowed from a navigator staff who's in Oklahoma right now. It's PLOWER, uh, and it stands for Prayer, Life, Observations, Word, Evangelism, and Reproduce. And these are things that I try to think about that I want to do with my disciple. Maybe not every time I see them, but they're in general things that I want to be doing. First up prayer. I want to be praying for them. I want to be praying with them. And for us to be praying for their lost friends together and praying for needs in their life and worshiping God in prayer together. Prayer together. I want to share my life with them. We just talked about that. Ways that you can be with them and build that relationship and show them affection and just model for them being a person in your everyday life. I also want to make observations. There's a proverb that says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. If we're going to disciple people, there's going to be times that we need to rebuke them. You see that in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3.16 that also says that all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. And then in 4.2, a few verses later, Timothy is commanded to preach the word and reprove, rebuke, and exhort. The Bible is useful for correction, so correct with the Bible. And so there's times as you meet, walk with your disciple, be patient. You don't have to correct every little thing. But as you see patterns in their life of ways they're not obeying Jesus' commands and not following his example, love them enough to say so. And I'll often say, hey, can I love you enough to say something hard? I noticed this about you. And I don't, I don't think this lines up with what we're seeing in the scriptures. What do you think? I'll often even look at the a verse with them. If, I, if I'm going to correct someone, I don't want them to just hear my good ideas. Uh, my thoughts are not very good. I want to see God's ideas and go to the Bible with them. And see, what do you think about this verse? You think you're living in a area of your life? What about with this right here? And try to correct them and, and make observations. Again, don't do that all the time. Uh, but when you see something significant, call that to mind. W is the word. Again, my best ideas are not going to make a disciple. Uh, John's good idea time is not very good. Uh, people don't need to obey my words. Uh, I have no authority, but the word does. The word has power. In Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, Isaiah says, I'm not going to quote the whole thing. He says that his God says that his word will accomplish the purpose he has for it. When we read his word, when his word is heard, it is doing work. It is accomplishing God's purposes. So I want to look at the word with my disciples. Sometimes it'll be a little Bible study, Sometimes it'll be, hey, let's go through a book of the Bible. Sometimes it's just, let's talk about our quiet times together and share what God's been putting on your heart. Or let's memorize scripture together and and go through the topical memory system. Love the topical memory system. But get in the word with your disciples. And finally, I also, these last two are often neglected. I want to share the gospel alongside them. When Jesus called the 12, he didn't say, follow me and we'll get together and hang out. It'll be a great time. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. From the very beginning of his discipleship, Jesus had outreach in mind for his disciples. He had ministry in mind for his disciples. And if we want to make not just disciples, but disciple makers, we want to be thinking about evangelism and reproducing. So I'll try to share the gospel often with my disciples. We'll do it cold contact. Uh, when, when we can do a, an evangelistic study together or spend time with lost friends together, I like to do that. Um, but find ways to be around the lost with your disciples. Um, whether it's like, hey, yeah, a coworker, let's get together and pray for our, our fellow coworkers who don't know Jesus in our workplace. Or, hey, let's pray for the people in my neighborhood who don't know Jesus. Or you, maybe you can throw uh, throw like a neighborhood party or potluck uh, and have some some key disciples come with you in that and, and join you in serving people who don't know Jesus. But do some kind of evangelism together. And finally, reproduction. You're, I, don't, I like to say you're not done making a disciple until you've made a disciple maker. And so when I share something with someone, I like to ask them, who's someone that you can share this with? Who's someone that you can teach to have a quiet time? Who's someone that you can share this illustration or go through this Bible study with and help them be thinking through passing it on? We'll talk about that more this afternoon. So that's an acronym I use to think through the things I want to be doing with my disciples, plower. Next is you need to know where they need to go. If discipleship is friendship with a vision, we need to have a vision for what a mature disciple looks like, for where they're bringing them. And fortunately, Jesus has helped us throughout his ministry. He gave many statements about what a disciple is like and what are true of his disciples. And they're kind of summarized here. This summary, summary comes from uh, a navigator guy in, in Columbia, Missouri, named Larry Glaib. Uh, he summarized these verses, but I'll, I'll read through them real quick. These are marks of a mature disciple. These are what we want to see in maturing disciples of Jesus. The first is whole life transformation. Luke 6.40, Jesus says, A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. So a disciple is someone who identifies with Christ, whose life is being transformed to share Jesus' characters and values and purpose and destiny. Another mark of a mature disciple is sacrificial allegiance to Jesus. He says something very stunning in Luke 14, 26 and 27. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. seems like Jesus is always talking people out of being his disciples as he's going around. But here he's not, when he says hate, he doesn't mean hate the way we think of despising. Jesus isn't saying you need to despise your kids if you want to follow me and despise yourself. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying that your love for me needs to be so much greater that your love for others looks like hate in comparison. It means loving Jesus more than anything else. It means God take anything but Jesus from me. It's kind of the old uh, the old hymn by Martin Luther, uh mighty fortresses are God. In the last verse he says, Let good and kindred go. Goods and kindred go this mortal life also the body they may kill God's word abideth still love Jesus more sacrificial allegiance to him I I, I know there was a student we had from uh, Saudi Arabia who came to know Jesus here um, and actually married a, a Christian woman in town uh, and I think the relationship's a little better but at first his dad said I have no son his parent his family back in Saudi Arabia disowned him because of his allegiance to Jesus, but he considered Jesus worth losing his family for. That's sacrificial allegiance to Jesus, even when it's costly. A disciple is someone who consistently and habitually submits to the authority and leadership of Christ, choosing Jesus' kingdom over my own self-interest. So sacrificial allegiance. Another mark of a mature disciple is faithful obedience to Jesus. In, In John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Or if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. A disciple is someone who makes the scriptures the final authority for all of life, seeking to know his truth and obey his commands and live out a biblical worldview. That's a mature disciple. Another mark is servant love. John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Well, that doesn't sound like a new commandment. The Old Testament said, love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus goes on. He says that you love one another. Uh, Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. That's the newness. Not just to love each other, but to love each other like Jesus loved us. He says, by this, all men will know you're my disciples, if you love one another. A disciple is one who has an increasing love for others. That's expressed in humility, grace, community, and acts of service. Another mark is spiritual fruitfulness. In John fifteen eight, Jesus says, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to me be my disciples. There we see a disciple is someone who's continually abiding in Christ and it's resulting in godly character, the fruit of the spirit and in kingdom influence for others. So those are, these are five marks of a mature disciple and, and hopefully you're going there and, and, and you're saying, well, I'm not there yet because uh, none of us are done growing up till Jesus comes back. He is the only fully mature Christian, the Christ himself. He is the measure of maturity, and none of us have attained to him yet. But these are five marks that all disciples of Jesus should be maturing towards. And so as you're meeting with people, think of these things in mind and ask, are there areas of their life, you can do this for yourself too, what areas of their life are really showing these marks and what areas aren't? And what are things that I can do with them? scriptures I can go to, things we can be praying, things we can do together to help move them towards this? Are there maybe some things I need to call out in their life, areas where they're not being obedient to the word, or they're valuing something above Jesus, where they're not showing love to a really difficult coworker? Because Jesus tells us to love not the people who deserve it, but the people who don't, because that's how he loves us. So we need to know where our disciples need to go and what maturity looks like and move towards them. And then finally, we need to help them take the next step. One of my mentors, uh, Bill Tell, once said that big visions, like maturity in Christ, big goals, require bold actions. Bold actions don't need to be big actions. They can be small yet bold if they take us where we have not gone before, take us out of our comfort zone and beyond the norm. Just small steps in the same direction take you very far. So we just need to help our disciples. We meet them where they're at. We see where God wants them to be, and we walk with them as we help them take the next step, and the next one, and the next one. You know, I used to think that the most important journey, the most, if you're on a journey, I used to think that the most important step on a journey was the first step, getting started. But I don't think that's true anymore. I think the most important step is the next step. Not quitting, just continuing to go and take the next step, and the next one, and the next one, even if it's hard. And so, I have a tool for you on the back to help you think about what could be a next step for your disciple. Maybe not all of these things will make sense to you, um, but this is just a helpful thing to think about basic disciplines, means of grace God has given us to help our disciples grow in Christ likeness and grow in maturity. Uh, If you know the wheel illustration, you will be able to pretty quickly tell that this is basically the wheel illustration. Uh, practical things you can do with the wheel illustration, but helping them be grounded in God's promises. There's a great old navigator tool that I mentioned before, Lessons on Assurance, that have little Bible studies and scripture memory verses for each of these five promises, each of these five assurances. It's so helpful for a new Christian or someone who hasn't been intentional in their growth yet. There's different Navigator illustrations. If you don't know them, ask someone to teach them to you or look them up at the Navigator's website. Teaching them to spend time with God and his word. Put his word in their heart and study it deeply. Teaching them to pray by praying with them. Sharing the gospel together and giving them tools to share their faith, like sharing their own story or sharing a gospel illustration. Getting them started thinking about disciple-making. Helping them in character issues and areas of growth that they need. Helping them with sin struggles. Helping them th- join a church and be part of a great community. Even life things like managing time and money for the glory of God. A lot of people need help. Spiritual parenting is parenting. Uh, discipleship means helping people manage their time and money for God's glory. So this is a helpful tool to just think about what a next step could be. Um, and I want, uh, at the bottom, I mentioned some more. A great book. If you're looking for a place to start with your disciples, a great book is called Growing in Christ. It's by the Navigators. It's got 13 plans. So like 13 Bible studies to go through with your disciple with scripture memory verses to help them. Joe Stout right here, this is what he does. I saw someone at church from my small group the other day. He had. I noticed the Growing in Christ book sticking out of his coat pocket. I'm like... So, uh, so Ryan, you meeting with Joe? He said, yes, I am. Like, can you quote this verse to me? And he did. It was great. This is just a helpful tool if you don't know where to start. It's a great tool for walking through someone. The Navigator has also created the 2-7 series if you ever find those discipleship books or Every Man a Warrior. A lot of men here use those books as just resources to help come alongside someone and help them take steps to grow in maturity in their faith. So if you're looking for places to start, those are some great resources to look at. There's also some free plans you can print out that are mostly used with college students that I, I equip our students with on a link there at the bottom too. But the principle is, we want to be with people. We want to have an intentional plan, know where they need to go and help them take just the next step. Because here's the point, man: Jesus does not want his people to remain spiritual infants. When my children were born, I did not bring them into the house, put them on the floor and say, all right, Leo, food's in the fridge. Uh, your room's over there. Here's the keys to the car. Call me if you need anything and leave. That's not what we do. To infants, and that's not what you do to people who have been born again. They need parenting. Jesus doesn't want his people to be spiritual know-it-alls, who know all his commands, but don't obey them. Jesus wants his people to be mature disciples of him. Men who know him, know his commands, and sacrificially obey them. Men who have a heart for God and are willing to make any sacrifice to grow. And you know, it takes a village to raise a child, and it takes a church to make a disciple. We don't do this in isolation. We do this with the help of the body of Christ and all their varied gifts. But just like it takes a parent to raise a child, it takes a spiritual parent to make a disciple. Just going to church isn't going to make you a disciple. You need a spiritual parent to come alongside you and help you. In the early days of the Navigators, our founder Dawson Trotman would ask each person, where's your man? Where's your man? Who are you discipling? And today I ask you the same question. Where's your man? Who is walking with Jesus and knowing him as a result of your life and influence? And if you don't have one, ask God to give you one. Ask God to bring you to a man after his own heart. And when you've found one, be with him. Spend intentional time with him. Know where God wants him to be and help him take the next step. Absolutely. Yeah, my discipler, he started with, uh, with the assurances. And then he taught me how to have a quiet time. Uh, he taught me the wheel illustration, he taught me the word hand illustration, all these different things that are great places to start. That's great. Keep it simple. You know, and that's important in discipleship. If we if we make it complicated, they're not gonna be able to do what we did with them. But as we're gonna talk about this afternoon, we're not done making a disciple until they've learned to make disciples. And the harder we make it look, the harder it is for them to do it. But guys, you can do it. Man, the Holy Spirit is in you, you can make disciples.
1: You know, you and I can make disciples through the power of the Holy Spirit, even if we feel inadequate for that. I urge you to take that first step. Perhaps invite someone over for dinner. Or maybe ask, hey, would you like to read the Bible with me? I just urge you to take that first step and start making disciples. Join us next time for John's final message to us on Making Disciples Naturally.